This morning's scripture reading comes from Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was put in charge of us until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning we continue our look at the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the church, as he attempts to answer the question or strives to answer the question of those that are challenged by others in the faith. Questions of who are we? What are we? How do we live and act according to beliefs? We know from the early um, Christian church and from Paul's letter to the Galatian church that there were those who had come into this faith community located in the Asia Minor in a number of different cities that were challenging. The teachings that Paul had offered to the people and the life-changing transformation that they had received. And so we assume that Paul had received letters from these communities saying, who are we? What are we? How are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to be a community in faith? How are we to follow what you have asked us to follow? While there are others here who are telling us different things. And so Paul's letter that we read this morning, and then we'll be reading for the next few weeks, is his response. His response to questions that are seeking clarification, questions that are seeking purpose, very important questions of who they were and of how they were to be in community. We don't know what the questions really were. There is no record of these letters having actually come from one of these cities in Asia Minor to Paul. But we know from reading the book of Galatians that Paul was responding to something. And our assumption is it's a letter because he was traveling and he was on his first missionary journey that lasted roughly three years. He only spent three to five months in each of these communities. And it's believed that this letter was written right before Paul entered Jerusalem in 50 AD for the Jerusalem Council. But what we can assume and what we know from our reading is that Paul was writing to a community that was being led apart from the faith that he had professed and shared with them. Last week we covered the first two chapters of Galatians. We read the beginning of Paul's response to the challenges of faith that the Galatian churches were experiencing. Last week we read in worship from the second chapter, if you'll remember with me, where Paul tells the early Christians that this early faith community, that their identity is now in Christ. 
As he's telling them who they are and how they're to arrange themselves and whether or not they're to be Jewish first and then Christians or whether they have to be both or one or the other. He tells them this, that their identity is in Christ. And that all the ways that they had previously identified themselves and sought recognition, if you will, was set aside. And that now they were first followers of Jesus. And then they were whatever else they were. Because of the grace of God. Because of God's grace, Paul said, your identity is Christ. And all the things that you have been and all the things that you are, are secondary. Because your primary identity is the grace of God that comes through Christ, making you a Christian. See, last week Paul shared in the first and second chapter that the grace from God is what allowed the early followers in the church to know that they are saved, to know that they were forgiven, and to know that they were now a part of this body of Christ. And see, we have to look at that because in a sense, last week, Paul was answering the question, who are we, wasn't he? As he was telling this early Christian community, this is who you are. This is your identity. And see, this week, in a sense, I feel like in this chapter, he's telling them what they are. As he seeks to define the relationship between the Christian faith and the Jewish faith, as there's those in the Galatian church that have come in, called Judaizers, that were telling these early Christians, Gentiles mainly, that they had to become Jewish as well. And they had to be followers of the law, and they had to enact the principles and practices of the covenant. And so obviously a question was being asked of Paul. What are we to do with the law? What are we to do with the covenant that we're being told that we have to follow? And Paul's answer is this. He compares the law to a babysitter. Depending on your translation, the one that I read this morning, it says you were once under its supervision. Other translations that I've read, N.T. Wright does one that, that he in fact says babysitter. And there's a Greek word that, that actually in the Greek it's used... I'm not going to try and pronounce a bit. What it basically means is that a person that oversees a child, not for their instruction, but is almost like a nanny, maybe is what we would call it now, today. Or an au pair, depending on your community and and what you have. Someone that's charged with, with caring for the child, not in charge of their educational instruction, but keeping the child safe, making sure that they're protected. Making sure that they're overseen until they're old enough to see, to, to care for themselves and to be responsible for themselves. See, if you'll notice, Paul doesn't speak ill of the law, does he? He's not throwing it out. He's not saying that they're foolish by following it. He's not saying anything about the law specifically. Except what he says is that the law has served its purpose. See, he's not saying it's bad. He's not saying that that the Jewish faith should be tossed aside or anything like that. What he's saying is that the law was good, but it served its purpose. 
for those that believe in Christ. It served its purpose. And so the law was to keep Israel out of trouble. Much like the reason that that you and I get babysitters and have had babysitters in our own childhood. Just like why you and I most of the time get babysitters to keep our girls out of trouble. Of course, I can think of the times that we had some babysitters. I don't think Joe and I were ever very awful, but I think we were always very busy. Um, And so I think it's amusing that Paul uses the babysitter language. Especially when I think of the times that my parents left my brother and I with another family that had three kids, and we were all under eight with one babysitter. Needless to say, she's still friends with us. Um, In fact, I've babysat her children, (laughs) but um, it's just crazy. But you know, Paul used this example because he knew that it would resonate with us and the early Christian church in Galatia. When Paul compared the law to that which was simply, well, simply had served its purpose. He compared it to like using a babysitter because there comes a point in each child's life, usually when they're a teenager at some age, that they don't need a babysitter anymore either. And so you don't have a babysitter then, not because they're bad, but they've simply served their purpose. You know, he, he knew that the early Christians, that this would be an example when he said that the law was like a sitter for the people of Israel in order to help them prepare for the coming of the Messiah. This early Christian community was Greek. I've seen statistics that they say roughly half the Christians in these early churches were slaves, were actively slaves. And so they very well may have been a slave in the home that served the purpose of being this babysitter, this this nanny. And see, Paul used this imagery to help the people see that the law itself was not bad. That it wasn't something that, that was to be spoken ill of, but that with God had used it to care for the people of Israel until they were in the position to care for themselves. See, in his understanding of who Jesus was, And in our understanding of who Jesus was as followers of Christ, in Him, the Messiah, in Jesus as the Messiah, Israel had reached the point where they would be responsible for themselves, where they would choose to seek and follow and accept the grace of God, where they would no longer be dependent on ritual or rite or law in order to maintain a relationship. Their relationship, instead of being founded and based on the law, would now be based on their faith and their faithfulness. Choosing to believe 
They had to choose to believe in Christ. They had to choose to follow. They had to choose to bring God's promises to fulfillment. Because the faith of a believer is what makes you a part of God's family. And the practice of this faith is what brings each of us into a deeper relationship with Him. I mean, it's, it's not the things that we do, but it's the practices in faith that help us to grow into who God wants us to be and how God wants us to live. And it helps us to find our identity as disciples of Jesus Christ. Except I think we can read where Paul is careful to say that it's not our actions, our words, our practices that make us followers, but it's our faith. And I think that's his focus in this entire chapter of Galatians. Is that the law, the practices, the things that we do serve their purpose. But what makes us believers in Jesus Christ is how we practice. And it's how we choose to live out our faith. And so it's in our faith that we're able to do the things that God calls us to do. It's in our faith that God uses our worship together and our study together and our service with one another and our fellowship that we share in to build us up. So that we can be the people, the individuals, the disciples of Jesus, the Christian community, the church. That God calls us to be. I mean our problem. Throughout history has not been the following of law. When it comes to our relationship with God. But our problem has been sinfulness. Our problem has been the living of sin. The succumbing to sin. The falling short of who God wants us to be. And it's through our faith. That God sets that aside so that you and I can be passed into the membership into family of God. A membership that opens to us the life that we did not have before. A membership that offers us a relationship that we could never obtain on our own. And it's a membership in a family that God offers to all people who simply profess to believe, who simply seek to find, who simply accept the grace and the forgiveness and the life that has been offered to them through God. Because being a part of a church means believing. Being a part of a Christian community means having faith. Being a part of a community of faith means that all can come who profess and believe as we seek and strive to grow together, to grow in our understanding, to grow in our support of one another, and to grow in our receipt, our receiving of the grace that God has given us. Because Paul says through Christ Jesus, we're all children of God through our faith. For all who have been baptized with Christ have clothed ourselves with Christ. 
There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It's through Christ that God offers us the opportunity to come to Him. And it's in Christ that we gather together as a community and as a people of faith. Join together, not because of who we are, but because of who we believe in. In our identity as followers of Jesus and in the grace that He offers us this day and every day as we choose to believe, as we choose to trust and hope and find our grace and guidance in Him. May God guide us in our own lives and in the lives of our church and in our ministries together. Amen.